Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change. In other words, reinvent yourself and your company. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the successful business leaders of today. Now, here is your host, Nancy Lynn. Hello and welcome to Business We Mentioned. This is Nancy Lin. We bring you thought-provoking ideas from a wide range of industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, the cloud computing market is heating up. Just two weeks ago, the photo sharing site Flickr began offering each user a terabyte of storage for free and increased its limit for videos from 90 seconds to 3 minutes. Microsoft, on the other hand, also announced that it will match Amazon's prices on cloud computing. These marketing strategies kind of make you wonder if the cloud is becoming a commodity. Is there room for more innovation? Well, Clint Gordon Carroll from Space Monkey thinks so. His company is developing an interesting strategy to approach the market. I'm going to let him tell you more about it and where he thinks the cloud computing market is heading. Hi, Clint. Hi, How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, as you uh, mentioned. Oh, go mm-hmm. ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I'd love to hear about what you think about what's happening. Um, I mean, one terabyte of storage is a lot. Um, do you, what do you think about Flickr's new strategy? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, you know, Flickr is very dedicated to the photo sharing world. We are big fans of Flickr and have been for a long time. We, we, we're glad that Mercer Mayer is putting a lot of emphasis uh, in making Flickr a great place for the pro and semi-pro photographer. So how is your product different, say, from, product from, uh, from say, Dropbox or companies like that? Are you solving the same problem they are? Yeah, I think the first thing that your audience probably is interested in knowing is, you know, what is the cloud? The cloud is simply a data center, a big building that is usually has some earthquake-proof redundancy. It has, uh, you know, diesel backup generators. It has got uh, cold air being pumped into the facility to keep all the servers that run in it, keeping it cool. Uh, usually there's servers stacked as high as you can get them and as far back in rows as you can get them. Uh, and it's a central location where all of this computing happens, whether it's storing files or serving web pages. Uh, that really is the data center, and the data center is the cloud. And so, you know, all of these services, whether it's Amazon who has all of their own data centers or 
it's Dropbox who uses Amazon's data centers for their cloud. Um, you know, they all require these big buildings, huge capital infrastructure uh, to store your data in the cloud. Uh, one of the things that Mosey, one of the things that we at SpaceMonkey believe is that the data center is a, uh, a cost that can't keep up with the demand of users. So the problem we're solving uh, is really around too much data. The fact that uh, many consumers uh, have smartphones and digital SLR cameras and other devices that are generating enormous amounts of content every single day and storing those online in the cloud, in the data center is expensive. And so the problem we're solving is how to take the cloud out of the data center and bring it into somebody's home where cooling is free because it's ambient and electricity is very a very minimal cost and bandwidth is a fixed cost. Uh, in the consumer's home, if you can take that out of the take those things out of the equation of the cloud, you can create a very affordable place to store terabytes uh, of data uh, and offer those prices back to the consumer. That's a very interesting way of thinking about the solution. So you actually have a peer-to-peer network for that, right? Tell us more yeah. about that. Yeah. So Space Monkey using those. Uh, Based on those principles of, of pulling the, the, data, the cloud out of the data center, um, we build a small little device that plugs into your home router, uh, and then you know you can access that that device through a piece of client software, just like Dropbox or any other um, cloud competitor out there, and you store files to that device, and then that device is peered in a storage network of other devices, and so when you store that first file, uh, a photo or video. Um, the device takes it, creates a copy of it on the device, and then creates another copy of it, encrypts it, breaks it up into tiny little pieces, and then spreads those pieces geographically to other devices in the network. So if there's an earthquake or if the drive fails, you always have a second copy of your data out in the network and redundant, just like what makes the cloud such a great experience is that if something does happen, you have a second copy. So our, our uniqueness really comes into that we have a small piece of hardware that you plug in and it's re- redundant capabilities as it's peered to uh, other devices. Hmm. So are you saying that just like other cloud solutions, people won't need to have their own memory devices anymore if they have yeah. your boxes? Yeah, our goal is that you don't have to buy another offline device. You don't have to buy another hard drive. Uh, when you subscribe to Space Monkey at $10 a month, you get a terabyte of cloud storage. That device comes with your subscription, just like uh, you know Comcast or, or another set-top box that you, you get from a subscription. Uh, that device gets sent to you. You plug it in, and you don't ever have to worry about it again. If it fails, we send you another one, and you plug it back in, your data replicates back to the device uh, you have no interruption in your experience. You can access the network copies, or you can access the copy directly from your device. So from what consumers can experience themselves, um, and of course they don't have to worry about you know, dealing with um, cooling of data center, even with other solutions, right? Because they don't see all these sure. things that was happening in the background. I mean, what's really the biggest advantage for consumers? Um, I mean, is the price point really that much lower, or are there other advantages that they enjoy? 
Yeah, there's uh, there's several advantages. The price is definitely, um, you know, as we've surveyed consumers and experienced it from our our own past business experience working at a, a cloud company in the data center, uh, Mosey, an online backup solution, price is a very sensitive issue, especially when you start storing hundreds, if not terabytes of data in the data center. So the, the, the price difference uh, at 10 bucks a month uh, with a competing service like Dropbox, you're going to get about 100 gigs at the same price, whereas we're going to give you 10 times the storage uh, for $10. Now, there's additional advantages that, that the consumer gets. Um, a lot of consumers are moving to laptops and, and mobile devices, and, and they create content, and they need to move that content to the cloud quickly. If you have 100 gigs or 200 gigs of data, it could take you weeks, if not months, to move that to the cloud. Because the device is in your home network, you're going to get anywhere from 20 to 60 times the speed that you would in the cloud. So when you move that very quickly to the device, you can, it would, you know, what would take you months would take you hours with Space Monkey, you can close your laptop and move on and, and get on with the rest of your life. With these other services, you have to leave your laptop on, uh, or if you're on the road traveling and you keep turning it on and off, some files don't get into the cloud as quick as they need to. But with Space Monkey, the local device makes uploads and downloads extremely fast. Uh, and then when you're away from your home, they're competitive speed if, and sometimes even faster uh, away, from, away from home. Well, I think that's huge when it comes to convenience, you know, especially because we have, you know, so much more data, like you're saying, than ever before. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, some services cap their bandwidth. So, um, you know, you, you may have a terabyte of, of data, you know, backup, things that you want to backup or store online. And for some services, it might take you two years uh, if you can even connect seven days a week, 24 hours a day uh, to, to move that terabyte. So, you know, you may feel like your data safe. In, the rea- in reality, it's not, and only a small percentage is because it's not making it into the data center quick enough. Um, and that's inherent when you, you know, have a, a pipe into one building uh, and, and a, being shared with millions of users. It's going to be very slow to move that data up, upwards. Okay, but in a way, they are kind of sharing that with other people who are using your service, right? Um, so how secure is that data really is? Sure, yeah, security is an important thing. As you, if you've followed anything in the cloud lately, there have been you know, outages, there have been um, invest- SEC investigations into claims of, of security. One of the things that we know from our own experience building many data centers over our career is that there's this false sense of security because you have a data center, because you have the physical assets in a building that is under lock and key, you can take shortcuts uh, in areas of encryption uh, and privacy in other areas. Uh, But with Space Monkey, we can't afford that. We have to be airtight from the beginning. It has to be end-to-end secure before we put a device anywhere in the network. And we feel extremely confident. First of all, each file is encrypted at the source, at the device. Uh, only the device has that key, and, that, and then that key is kept there, and then the, the file is then broken up into tiny little pieces and sprayed out. Um, so not only geographically do we have a, a layer of security, but we also have the private key encryption, which you know, a lot of other services will claim that their data is encrypted at the source, but it turns out their data is actually encrypted in the data center where, um, you know, it's very easy to access those, those files. 
Hmm, very interesting. So, do you think that you're kind of changing the rules of game? Because earlier you mentioned how um, you know, like it's it's uploading a lot faster, and um, you know, also going back to my introduction about is this becoming a commodity because everybody's giving away free storage, but now you're trying to compete on the speed, but also the level of security. Is that kind of really what it is? Yeah, I think I think it's you know. The real great companies who disrupt things, there isn't ever just one thing that they're doing. It's, it's, it seems like the, the solutions that they provide have, you know, just numerous advantages that the incumbent just struggles to uh, have to compete at every angle uh, where a solution is, is more superior. And we feel very confident that security, speed, price, um, even with the things like Google Fiber and, and other things that are happening in the consumer's home, they're becoming consumer-friendly, and devices are becoming very accepted in people's home. You look at Apple TV and other devices that people are feeling like, hey, this is, it's fun to have you know, unique devices in people's homes, the Nest thermostat. Um, you know, it's tangible. You know that you have the device right there. You can see your Space Monkey device. It's beautifully devi- designed, uh, and, and it's a talking piece, and, and people get excited. So, yeah, I think great solutions that disrupt um, a commodity are usually attacking it at multiple angles, if not every angle that it can. Mm. So who do you consider your biggest competitor then? Yeah, I, I mean, anybody who's, who, who has your data and you're, you're paying them, um, that's, that's a competitor of ours. Dropbox is clearly the, the, the leader in the space. Um, we, we believe uh, when it comes to how easy the product is and, and the value add that is given there. We think iCloud is, a, is another, um, you know, outskirt pro- uh, competitor in that so many people have iPhones and they like the, the ease of use, but they're limited by the amount of space that you can store. Um, you know, outside of that, those are really kind of the, the key competitors. Everybody else is, is still on the fringe when it comes to storing consumer data, I believe. Mm, interesting. Okay, we got lots to talk about, but let's continue this discussion after a break. Please follow me on Twitter at BizReInvention for more business insights or go to bizreinvention.com for information about our show. We'll be back after these messages. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email nancylin at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. 
If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, Clint, I'm very interested in learning a little bit more about this hard device, hardware device that you have in consumers' homes um, because that really kind of sets you apart because most of the, like you said earlier, um, you know, cloud service providers, they have their devices somewhere, you know, um, somewhere else in the data center, right? So sure. what's so unique about this device? Is it serving as a memory space or is it just a router? How does it work, really? Sure. So this piece of hardware that we've designed – um, you know, is, is unique in the design sense. It's very beautiful, very organic shape, but the internals of it is just like any type of uh, network-attached storage device, or they call it a NAS device that you could go and buy at Best Buy or Costco. Um, you know, it has a small uh, ARM-based CPU chip, which is a low-powered uh, CPU that you would find in uh, smartphones. Uh, it has a 3.5-inch hard drive that you would you could pick up at any uh, any store that sells sells hard drives. Um, it's very much a commodity piece of hardware, uh, but the software on the hardware is what really makes the device unique. Uh, when you first subscribe to Space Monkey and the device arrives a couple days later, it comes in a beautiful package. You open it up, you put the power plug into the device, and then you put the Ethernet cable into the device and into your router, not into your computer, but actually into your Internet router. Usually, people have wireless routers. That means that you can be at your laptop and on the deck or the patio, and you can you know, access your, your device wirelessly in your home. Um, that device is literally a server, similar to a server that you would find in a data center. Uh, the unique uniqueness of the device is that uh, you have one CPU per disk. In the data center, you usually have uh, a CPU per 10 disks or 12 disks. Um, that means that, you know, the, the capabilities of this device is extremely good and, and competitive to that of what you would find in the data center. Um, and anything that you can do in the data center, uh, you can do on this device. You can access it from an iPhone or an Android device. You can um, access it from the web. You can upload files to, from the web. Uh, you have a desktop client, Windows, Mac, Linux. Um, you can access your files. You can share files. You can share a folder, share direct directory with, with mom and dad so that they can see Christmas photos. 
and they can contribute files back to that folder as well. They don't have to have a Space Monkey device. So um, even though we are, we do have a device and that's different from a lot of cloud providers, it's extremely unique because the experience for the user, other than plugging that device in, is just like the cloud and, and very similar. Well, it sounds like an awesome idea. So why hasn't it been done before? Yeah, there have been people who have tried it, um, you know, in, in the past who have, who have tried to use the excess storage uh, capabilities on your desktop or your laptop. Uh, those systems have generally failed because, as you know, you know, a laptop runs maybe 15 to 20% on average uh, a day. Uh, and so when you close the laptop, any bits or fragments that you have of, of data in the network on that device is no longer available. And so your replication of that, of that data is actually really high. So that means that if I have uh, a one gig, one gig of, of photos, I would need 10 gigs of free space on my, on my hard drive to give to the network. And that becomes extremely complicated when you have 100 gigs of data and you have to give up a terabyte, and that just isn't accessible to the consumer. So in order to keep redundancy down uh, or the overhead down, uh, you need a device that's on all the time. And this device just sits and runs quietly. It doesn't need a monitor. It doesn't need a keyboard. Uh, it doesn't need anything. You don't have to update it. We do all, all the updates automatically. Um, and so what's failed in the past has become an opportunity for today, and that is these devices have become so cheap that it now is possible to do this. Four or five years ago, uh, a, a device like this with this much storage would have cost five, $600, and the economics would just have never worked to put this into a consumer home. Now these devices are around 100 bucks, and you can make them en masse uh, pretty easily. Okay, and I want to make sure the audience um, understands this concept because you're not only helping to reduce the redundancy, but you're actually having a co-op model mm -hmm. sort of so that the memory space in each device um, sometimes can be tapped into by other people who needed more sure. memory space, right? So tell, sure. tell us a little bit more about how that works. Yeah, I mean, we, we sometimes tease inside the office, we call it social storage, or you can call it co-op storage. Um, but yeah, you, you essentially um, have a drive that is partitioned half for you. So if it's a two terabyte drive, one terabyte is local storage for you. You have a local cache copy that's, that's always available to you. And then the other terabyte on that two terabyte drive make up of the small encrypted bits of data that could come from anywhere in the network. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about it. You never see it. Uh, in fact, you wouldn't even know that it's there uh, if we didn't tell you, um, which is another piece of the security puzzle that, that we're answering. Um, and so when uh, a file does, uh, let's say my drive goes down and, and it's, it's failed and I need access to a document for an important meeting, I open my client. It notices that it can't reach the uh, file from, from my device, so it goes out to the network, and it looks for 20 of the 40 pieces that we've broken it into, and all it needs is 20 to rebuild the file. And so maybe one piece is in Minnesota, another piece is in New York, and one in the Bay Area, one in Texas, and it goes and grabs those, those little blocks and once it has enough blocks, it reruns the encoding and, and decryption and then recreates the file uh, automatically for you. So um, you know, it's very unique software. It, it, this is the type of stuff that is done in the data center uh, on a small level where, where a file is broken up and put onto multiple servers. We just happen to be doing it 
across multiple state lines instead of uh, in, in one single building location. And bring it to the homes of consumers, um, which is the vo- most interesting part. Um, so since it's the device is going to be at the consumer's home, so I'm curious, do you partner with Internet service providers such as AT&T or Comcast at all? Or Yeah, that's they- a great question. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask us, well, what about my bandwidth caps? What about, you know, is AT&T or, or Comcast going to, to ding me because I'm using... Uh, more bandwidth. Uh, the, our answer is that is that we're very cognizant of that problem. Um, you know, much like any cloud provider, you move a terabyte of, of data from your home to into the service, you might get dinged um, with with that ISP. But one of the advantages that SpaceMonkey has is, and and that the ISP love is that we have the ability to control where the network goes. So if you're on Comcast, we can ensure that, you know, some percentage, some high percentage of your network traffic stays on Comcast. Comcast doesn't have to pay for that traffic. They get uh, overage costs when, when that traffic goes over their network into, you know, uh, Cablevision or Verizon or AT&T, and then they get charged for that traffic. We have the ability to keep it, flowing on the Comcast network uh, at a high rate, which, you know, the feedback that we've had from ISPs today is they love that. They, they are excited for that. They'd love to partner with us because of our abilities to save them millions of dollars and for them to offer more uh, opportunity or more storage for their, their own consumers, their own subscribers. Hmm, interesting. So do you think the consumer market for cloud will grow at the same pace as the enterprise market? I actually think it's going to grow faster, and, and, and the reason, even though uh, businesses are generating more data than they have ever before, um, their data and their content is usually, and I say usually because I'm putting a big box here, um, most information workers are dealing with spreadsheets, PDFs, um, Word documents, those types of content, which um, from a a size of, of, of data needs is very small. Now, of course, there are some businesses that are photo- in huge in photography and video content. They are definitely on, on the, uh, the other side of the spectrum here, but the average um, information worker is generating lots of content, but in very small amounts of storage size. Whereas on the consumer side, uh, they're taking high-def photo and high-def video from their smartphones, uh, and they're actually generating just an enormous amount of content in that direction. Uh, and that, that is one of the things that, that, that we built SpaceMonkey on the, on the notion of, of what was the consumer doing, um, you know, in 2006 and how has it changed in 2013. Um, and, and it really comes down to the amount of data they're creating uh, is moving exponentially. Uh, so it, it'll be very competitive, but I think the consumer will ultimately generate way more content uh, than, than the individual information worker. And how is the growth rate of user base um, for your company compared to the overall market? Yeah, you know, we are a very early company. We're an early stage company. We, we launched our first Kickstarter campaign last month. Uh, that just ended a, a couple of days ago. We got our first 3,000 customers. Our goal was to do $100,000 in, in pledges. We actually beat that 350% and, and raised 350K. So for, for an early stage company like ourselves, um, we're building off 
the, you know, that first base of customers who have prepaid for a device. The device, our devices won't ship until end of July. Um, and, and from there, we'll, we'll hopefully keep growing and hopefully uh, attract those people who currently have a pain. I think one of the important things for your audience who, who might be skeptic and say, well, data center prices will go down. Um, if this was true, the market would be showing that. Unfortunately, the market is showing the opposite. If the data center was providing or the cloud is providing everything that a consumer needed, you would see these small offline drives that you can buy at Best Buy shrinking in the market. In fact, they're growing. Uh, more and more people are buying these NAS devices uh, because they're running out of storage in the cloud and, and it gets too expensive. So a terabyte of storage uh, on the very low end is, is anywhere from 800 bucks to $1,000 a year. Um, for a, that, that rivals your Comcast bill, maybe even exceeds your Comcast bill. Uh, so people give up the cloud, they run to Best Buy, they buy one of these devices, and they give up a whole bunch of features like access anywhere and sharing their files um, in order to make sure that they have a second copy of those files. So we think that the market is growing. We're a great hybrid company that will go after the hard drive uh, uh, reseller as well as the, the cloud uh, competitors that are out there. Hmm. So, you know... With iPad, we've seen, you know, bring your own device movement that helped them crack the enterprise market. And are we seeing bring your own cloud boom now? And, and what do you think the implication it has for enterprise-based as well as consumer-based cloud solutions? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, uh, even before the iPad, Dropbox. Dropbox was bring your own cloud. How many people, I mean, before they even had an enterprise offering, how many people were installing Dropbox on their on their work work machine and using that in, in their work environment long right. before CIOs ever accepted it as a, a, a willing practice? Um, we've had a lot of interest from... Um, firms who, small businesses at least, who are like, we, we, we can't afford to pay, you know, $800 a year for a terabyte of storage with Dropbox. So, you know, when can we get this in this SMB? And, and, and this is one of the reasons we chose to go consumer first. It's easier to go from consumer to SMB to enterprise than it is to go from enterprise down to SMB, down to consumer. Uh, it's a different beast, and people are willing to be more flexible uh, at, cons- at the consumer level, and they're even more flexible when they take a consumer product and bring it into their business. Uh, so we've learned that from, from our experience at Mosey, uh, and we're using that now. All right, let's take another quick break. Um, please stay tuned for more information um, or more from Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. We'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? 
Learn how at the American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So, Clint, um, where do you think is an area in cloud computing that needs the most innovation? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think everybody in that has data centers or is working in the cloud realizes the um, the environmental impact of of the cloud. Uh, you have um, an enormous amount of power being used in these data centers, oftentimes when you build a data center, you have to have a substation or you have to contract with the power utility company uh, to, to use electricity to power these stations. In fact, there was a story just uh, not long ago about uh, uh, a, a, big, a very large Northwest company who built a data center and they contracted with the, uh, the power company to, to, to build a substation. And in that contract, they had to burn a certain amount of electricity. Well, they found was they actually didn't need as much because their growth wasn't going as high as they expected. And so it was cheaper for them to just burn electricity than pay the fine that was in the contract. Uh, so electricity usage in, in the data center is a big area for, for innovation. Uh, you have data centers that are being built close to the ocean where they can be cooled by ocean water. Uh, Facebook's doing one uh, near the Arctic Rim, North Arctic Rim. Um, you know, we believe that our solution actually is the best solution for this. We don't have any of the extra uh, cooling costs required to cool big servers in, in a single room because each device is distributed into the consumer's home. So our, our electricity consumption uh, is less than a tenth of what you would see traditionally in the data center. And so the environmental impact, the carbon emissions that, that uh, the data center gives off is, is huge. And we think that uh, Space Monkey is a great solution for that. Uh, one of the comparisons we often cite is, you know, the data centers uh, equal, to the, equal to the power consumption of all of Great Britain. So um, wow. that shows you how much electricity is pumping through the data centers here in the U.S. So earlier on, you talked about how your device um, provides faster speed and more convenience for consumers. Um, so I'm really interested to know in terms of the space of user experience, um, is there also room for improvement there? Oh, yeah. We, we think that we can get faster. We think that we can get more efficient. Um, we're just scratching the sur- surface. We're a, a team of, of 
I think we're now at 15 guys. We're a very small company, um, really trying to get this product to the market. Uh, but in the future, we think we can get faster speeds. We think we can get more efficient uh, storage. We also think that we can build applications on top of the device. So photo sharing sites, um, you know, other things that you can build in the cloud, you could build on top of Space Monkey as well. Hmm. Well, now that you're talking about app, I want to ask you about social networking because um, it continues to grow. Do you foresee cloud vendors incorporating that into their products? And if so, what would it look like? Yeah, I, I think you're going to see it on both sides. I think uh, you, I wouldn't be surprised to see, <coughs> excuse me, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Facebook uh, offering a, a cloud drive uh, on the flip side. You know, you already have, um, sharing and, and collaboration happening in cloud computing with Google and, and Dropbox. So, uh, and, and you're going to get tighter integration into, into these, into these uh, social network platforms uh, all, all the time. Mm. Well, in addition to some of the things we already talked about, what are other three or five trends you expect to see in the cloud computing space for consumer market and also for enterprise market, respectively, say, in the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, I think um, one of the trends for the consumers is you will ha- the consumer will have to make a decision between mm-hmm. storing data in, in a cloud that has um, that is cheap, that has ads uh, or ad revenue on top of it, subsidizing the cost. So as mentioned earlier in the show, Flickr, <coughs> excuse me, is offering a terabyte to their photo sharing users uh, at the cost of the fact that they'll be offered up ads and, and uh, you know, the data that the, the service collects will be reused and resold to, to marketers and, and other businesses. Uh, the, on the flip side, users will look for uh, other services like ourselves uh, where there's more privacy and and more security around storing data in the cloud. So that will be a trend. Uh, uh, you know, do I go for free or do I go for a small amount of revenue or a small amount of cost to, to store data? So those, those that trend will definitely happen quicker over the next 24 months than anything else. Um, I think beyond that, uh, the integration of our devices, uh, mobile devices, uh, with the cloud services that we have, uh, will be um, will be interesting. You have Apple on one side that is very closed in their iOS uh, operating system. Android on the other side is very open. And as people become more comfortable with the cloud, they're going to expect their devices to be more open and more accessible to the cloud. Um, I also think, lastly, and, and one of the biggest game changers is developers in general will be more cloud. Uh, recognizable, meaning you'll play a video game on your PlayStation and then go and pick up that same game on your iPad and pick up where you left off. And in order to do that, you have to have some syncing component or cloud component component to to uh, share that data and update uh, multiple devices. So I think over the next five years, anybody who's building an app, anybody who's building um, applications will have to be cr- will be cloud, more cloud-ready than ever before. Mm. And earlier you also mentioned that you were on um, Kickstarter. Um, and I wonder, did you test different revenue models on that as well? Um, what are some of your learnings um, that you have so far? Yeah, Kickstarter was a – I mean, being a startup, the, the key thing is being agile enough to find – out what the market is asking you and what is the market willing to pay. So we had several different business models, uh, you know, in which the users could pledge 
by far more users pledged for the $10 lease option, but we also offered um, a pay-for-the-device uh, plus subscription service and then a straight-up pay-for-the-device service. Uh, but, you know, we, 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 we played with different models and we'll continue to, to play with different models. We're not sold that uh, there's only one way to attract customers and each customer has a different, different requirement based on different needs. So one of the areas in enterprise cloud computing space is that um, starting to get attention is the idea of better way to cloud to connect multiple infrastructure and platform environments in the cloud. Is that a challenge unique to enterprise or will we see consumer market eventually face similar debate in a different way? Yeah, I think I think for sure. I mean, you have um, you know businesses, you have um, multiple organizations needing you know to share and collaborate across cloud platforms. Uh, you may even have multiple um, you know organizations inside and outside of a company that need to, to share and collaborate. Uh, I already see that in in the consumer cloud. You know, you you have. Um, you know, a user who needs to share with family members or friends and, and other things and being able to federate across users is an important aspect to, to even consumers. Um, not as dire in the sense that consumers have, are used to being painfully, you know, um, using other methods to getting, getting around technical problems. But uh, I think you'll see it both in the consumer as well as the enterprise. The enterprise is more demanding. Uh, the consumers usually generally wait for, for innovation to occur, um, which happens quickly, but sometimes can be really slow in some areas. And this might be one of those areas that, that it's a little slower. Got it. Okay, we're going to continue this discussion after a break. Please follow me on Twitter at BizReInvention for more business insight. Or go to BizReInvention.com for more information about our show. We'll be back after these messages. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
from the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, Clint, you have worked with some really large companies such as Microsoft, and then you also have a lot of startup experiences. Um, what have you learned about innovation and entrepreneurship? Well, I, I, it's a pretty big question. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an education in, into itself. My, uh, at one point, uh, I thought about going to law school. Uh, it was law school or doing Space Monkey, and, uh, you know, you know the, the decision definitely fell clearly to, to doing Space Monkey, but my co-founder and I both came in at the same time and, and, spoke, and talked about, you know, are we in this to, to learn or are we in this to earn? And we were clearly both on the same page that we were in this to, to learn as much as we could. And the first, you know, 12 to, to 15 months that we've been into this thing, we have learned an enormous amount. Now we're, we're definitely transitioning to going from learning to earning, uh, and, and uh, you know, that's an important aspect to it. But I think for most people, uh, entrepreneurship is completely new to them, and there's, and there's no perfect handbook to what you have to do uh, in, into doing a, a startup. But there is some good advice out there. So um, understand that there's no, you know, one path, and that's the only path to get there, but, but there is some good advice out there. What about innovation? What's like, you know, doing innovation at a big company and then doing it in, at a startup? Yeah, innovation in a big company, uh, it can be done. I, I absolutely believe it. I believe that there are, there are humans out there, there are people out there who just inherently are able to get stuff done no matter the circumstances. Um, but I think there's a vast majority of humans and people out there who are quarantined by uh, or obstructed by process and rules and, 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 you know, what their job responsibilities are that they just can't get innovation to happen. So um, whereas a startup, um, you don't have those rules, you don't have a process. So innovation inherently happens more regardless of what type of personality comes into the startup. Uh, so, you know, I, I've always found more innovation in, in the entrepreneurship side of things than in, in big company, even though I argue that it can still happen. Mm. Well, there are some people at large company thinking about going to start their own startup, but they really hesitate. And what kind of questions do you think they should ask themselves and what advice do you have for them? Yeah, I think if, if you're in a large corporation and you want to start another company, it's usually for one of two reasons. Either one, you, you just are having a hard time working, getting to your job and being excited to be there. Uh, you know, as soon as five o'clock comes, you're out of there. If you can take an extra 15 minutes on lunch, you do it. Um, for those people, uh, who are struggling to find, you know, purpose in, in their current jobs, the best advice is life is way too short to be at a company that you don't enjoy. Um, no matter the risk, the opportunities are there. Go and get them. Um, for those people who are hesitant because they're not sure if they're, they've got a good product or a good idea or if they're, they're able to do it, 
um, there are lots of things you can do to test that idea or that theory before you even have to quit your job. But one of the best things to do is to, you know, as, as people who found the new world did, burn the ship at, at the, as soon as you hit land because you need to have that commitment that you, you just can't look back. So um, one of those two reasons are usually the reasons why people are, are hesitant to, to starting a company. I think there are answers to both of those. Mm. Well, what about if you have a lot of startups approaching you or people pitching ideas to you to start you know, new startups? How do you go about choosing which ideas to work on or who to work with? Yeah, I, that's a great question, too. Um, businesses and, and startups, startups are particularly difficult, and they're much like a, a, a marriage or a relationship. Uh, so picking the right partner or picking the right co-founder, is this somebody that you love working with, that you can see every single day, that when when the times get tough, they'll be there with you, um, that you share similar, uh, not only a common um, goals, but also common principles to reaching those goals, uh, being, you know, ethical for one thing, uh, being able to, to have life balance is another thing. Um, you know, those are all important things. If you're, in my case, I was, I'm married with children and, and my co-founder is married with children. One of the first things we did before we even started was, was had our co-founder, had our wives meet each other, uh, and, and for them to talk about, if, you know, whether they were willing to be committed to this, uh, adventure and, and that was a big thing for us. So, um, you know, I, I think you've got to make sure that the culture fits well with you. Uh, the people that you're working with is going to uh, get along with you uh, as, as well as you getting along with them. Uh, that's the most important thing. The other stuff that you might think is important, like how much money I'm going to make and what's the upside, uh, there's that that that's so unknown uh, by anybody. It's unknown by the investors. It's unknown by the co-founders, and it's definitely unknown by ourselves. So, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put too much stock in into how much money you think the the startup is going to make. Mm. So, what surprised you the most about working for a startup? Um, I, I think the most surprising thing was just the experience with investors. Uh, a lot of um, People have written blogs about it, and I, I totally encourage you to, to read those and, and to see what other people's experiences are. Your experience will be unique. It'll have some parts of, of what other people have experienced, but it'll always have unique parts to yourself. And so um, dealing with investors was really interesting. I was extremely nervous. I would get butterflies. I would stumble. The first few times we pitched to investors, my co-founder would always have to start the pitch, and I would have to warm myself into it. Uh, before I got started. So each experience, you know, taught us something new. We learned from, from our investors. We were never afraid to get feedback from our investors or from investors who said no. Um, but yeah, I think dealing with the venture, the world of venture capital uh, was the most interesting and, and most intriguing that, that I had never had any experience with in, in, in the past. Wow. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today and wish you all the luck with your new venture. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I also want to thank the audience for listening to Business We Invention show today. Please continue to follow our programs as we have more interesting discussions coming up. Go to bizweinvention.com to get more information about the show. Please join me again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific time and enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you.
We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll find the inspiration for change over the coming week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.